Hello, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I'm joined here today for another um, episode of Well and Worthy um, with Dr. Erickson. Uh, I am in her Women and Gender Studies course at Trinity University, um, but she is a media psychologist uh, interested in adolescent engagement. She does stuff with adolescent engagement with the media, um, works with gendered violence in the media, and talks a lot about sexual socialization with her work. Um, and I know, Dr. Erickson, you've, lot of, you've done a lot of work with um, media audiences, And my favorite um, women and gender studies that I am in your class for <laughs> that I will be asking a lot about um, for this interview. But she is the co-director of the minor here at Trinity University for women and gender studies. Um, and she are you am I correct in saying you went to uh, Princeton and University of Michigan for um, communication yes. studies? OK, yes, that's right. Awesome. Well, how are you doing? Thank you for coming. I appreciate it. A ton. Thank you for having me. Um, I basically today am <laughs> going to grill you a lot about feminism as a movement, um, media through a feminist lens, and also discuss kind of how women can establish wellness practices and a sense of self despite a lot of, you know, societal expectations that have been set for them. As you may know, this podcast does a lot of stuff with like wellness, stuff with women, um, and how they can establish these practices outside of like a general mold that is fit for everybody essentially and it's it's working on debunking the myth that health has to look the same for everybody so um the discussion of feminism i know is a really like specific niche in your studies um but i'm sure it's something i know you teach about it a lot and i'm sure it's something you've come across in your media studies no doubt um i basically want to start off by asking a very broad question that seems basic but honestly is really misunderstood by a lot of women today um what is feminism how would you define it I mean, it is a broad question and it is often misunderstood. Um, I would define feminism as the um, study of and activist work toward a world in which gender identity does not shape power dynamics in the way it does now. Um, so, I mean, it, it, that's a sort of complicated way of saying like equality across across genders i think that's perfect thank you so it has a lot uh, to teach us about all genders being equal right it's not necessarily like a you know man hating word like a lot of people think it to be no it's not um and is based on the belief that um our society is structured around patriarchy in many ways and that that structure which puts sort of men in power, um, hurts everyone, uh, including men who are sort of expected to adhere to these norms that may or may not be true to who they are. Absolutely. So I, in terms of the history of feminism, historically speaking, where, I, and I don't know if this is something you, um, you know, specialize in, but do you know a lot about like where the term is derived from and like a very brief history of where it comes from? Um, I don't know a ton about the term itself. Mm. Um, my sense is that it sort of came into popular use in the 60s um, with what we call second wave feminism, um, which was really interested in things like bodily autonomy, um, equal rights, equal pay, um, opportunities for women in the workforce. Um, I feel like that around then is when the word started being used. Um, prior to that, we had like 
suffrage movements where which were about women getting the vote um so that but i don't know for sure yeah no it's definitely it the term itself yeah is not i I know um it's hard to kind of pinpoint exactly where it came from but the way that that sort of movement has evolved it's definitely changed over the course of different issues um that um erupt how would you say um it looks today versus how it may have looked in the 60s just basically from from what you see around you yeah um i think that we've come a long way um feminism has a long history of being concerned with the experiences and needs of uh, white women primarily and that was true of many suffragettes uh, in the early 20th century it's also true um, very second wave feminism. We spent a lot of time on issues that primarily affect or disproportionately affect white women. Um, I think feminism in the 21st century has come to be much more inclusive uh, and has taken a hard look at itself as a movement. And and obviously, you know, there are different uh, feminisms, right? Different movements within the broader spectrum. Um, but what we do at Trinity and how, how we think about feminism is as, um, as broad as possible um, and trying to actually foreground the needs of the people who are the most, who face the most stru- structural oppression um, on the assumption that, you know, one, it's the right thing to do and two, improving the lives of the people who are struggling the most um, and, and diversifying voices will help everyone and improve everyone's life it's, it's broadened a lot more and i know it um definitely includes i i know we use the term intersectionality in class but just like definition you know it includes a lot of different types of people now it's gone from just being very specific to broadening out and you know asking the question what does it mean to be a woman but um i i also just kind of want to narrow down more and touch a little bit more on like your specific research in terms of how feminism um, and our own definitions of femininity relate to our sexuality as women. I, on this podcast, we're going to be touching a lot more on sexuality, what it means to you know embrace your own sexuality and what it looks like for women today versus how it may have looked in the past. Um, I know you have a publication on sexual media content and um, I think it's, it's effects um, from 2016. Is that right? Um, oh, I don't know what year, some, but that, uh, sounds, some, that sounds right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm just curious, like, what you've learned. You've you've seen a lot when it comes to, like, media studies, you know, forming of sexuality. And um, what have you learned in your research on how sexualized media affects how women develop and view their own sexuality? I think that there's a mix. Um, The answer to any question you ask about research is going to be, it's very complicated. Mm -hmm. um, And there's a lot more going on than it fits well into a a quick explanation. That being said, we do know that um, people in general are strongly influenced by the media when it comes to issues relating to sex and relationships. This is especially true for adolescents um, who are sort of actively seeking information about sex and relationships. And are exposed to a lot of information at a really formative moment. Um, And so they can, um, in terms of their sexuality, right, um, we tend to get this sort of passive woman um, who like, you know, must guard um, the sanctity of her body and then the active man who can't control himself. Um, We get those tropes, we get this sort of virgin whore dichotomy, like you can either be, you can be one or the other. 
and pornography honestly like really messes with people's understanding of what sex is and and looks like and and so i think i think those things in terms of sexuality um i also think women's desires are not really foregrounded um and in media texts where they are foregrounded um we sort of dismiss them as silly um those those texts actually like we're like oh <laughs> romance um in terms of sexual socialization which encompasses more than just sexuality but also your sort of beliefs about relationships and what relationships should look like there are also a lot of things that adolescents in particular but people in general take away from media including the, what we call the heterosexual script right which mm -hmm. is of course uh you know reinforcement of heterosexual norms um that men should pursue women, that women should um, want a man to take care of them. Um, yeah, and there, there are tons of there, there are tons of like little tropes and, and scripts. Uh, I've, I've been really interested historically in what I call like bad boy masculinity, which is like when you have a, a male character who is like very attractive and um, like wounded in some way, like emotionally wounded and like, and if, and he just needs the love of the white woman for everything to be okay. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so beauty and the beast obviously is like the most classic example. Um, but if you think about the messages that are in that, you know, that, you know, soulmates, you're, if you're soulmates with someone, you stay with them no matter what, even if they behave in, in beastly ways. Mm -hmm. um, and that if, you know, if someone is mistreating you, it's out of love, right? It's they can't, you know. Uh, so there's a lot, a lot there that's problematic. Yeah, no, definitely. I think taking those and then tying them to, you know, the, the feminist lens of looking at things. If you're looking at all of these media tropes and you're identifying them as harmful, potentially, for how women are forming, you know, their own view of their own sexuality, their relationships, everything in that regard. If you are analyzing all these tropes, and saying that is harmful, would you consider that looking at it, you know, through kind of a feminist lens, like that is useful in some way? Yes, I do think that's useful. I think that my personal feminism and like the way that feminism shapes my research is also also reinforces the need to to have a broader perspective. And so most of the work I have done has been on these sort of potentially harmful tropes, but I think we also need to consider you know, what media exists that can help a woman um, identify with her sexuality, that can give us positive messaging. Um, how do these differences, how do different women um, experience these things differently? Um, so I think that for me is like where feminism comes in. And obviously like the root concern is about gender and, and feminism, but also just keeping, keeping me grounded in terms of making sure that I um, don't get too sure of an easy answer. Yeah, that's so fair. And also just taking it and going away from the, you know, kind of pity story of all we are are these, you know, tropes of we can't escape the constant cycle of what we're supposed to be as women um, and changing that to like, how can we actually actively go the other direction? And that's kind of where feminism comes in for sure. Yeah, and things are changing. Sorry. I, um, no, no, definitely. 
I haven't, I just bought a book, I haven't read it yet, called The New Female Antihero that's about shows like Fleabag, where you have women who um, have a lot of casual sex, who drink a lot, um, and are the sort of heroes of the show um, in a way that women haven't historically been. So I, I do think it's it's important to not say, like, media are bad for <laughs> women's sexuality, um, but rather to think about how we might use media in, in productive ways. And, and how it's evolving as well. That makes mm-hmm. sense. I want to kind of just branch even more off of that and expand just beyond sexuality. Um, on this podcast, we talk a lot about wellness habits. It's a lot about forming things that are good for us, you know, forming um, our own lives outside of what is necessarily expected. Um, and I wanted to ask, what kinds of things have you found, as well as just, you know, your own opinion um, in terms of um, you know, the effects of wellness practices, habits, and uh, the idea of, like, necessary, what healthy should look like, you know, kind of on the female body, in quotation marks. Like, why is there this expectation for what health should look like and how it manifests in women specifically? That's a very big question. So yeah. <laughs> that was, like, maybe three questions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think in terms of wellness, right? The first part of your question, I think something that I have learned is, and and that I think is particularly gendered, um, is that I don't have to take care of everyone. Um, Kate Mann, who we've read some of the first, or we we was watching an interview with her in class, but um, she's a philosopher at Cornell and she has written a book called Down Girl. And she talks about, there's a chapter called The Giving She. And basically the, the idea is that like, women are raised right to give of themselves right constantly to be to monitor the situation around them to anticipate people's needs to um be prepared to care for people um and when they don't do that uh people don't love it um and because of that i think a lot of women including myself like say yes to a lot of things and try to be everything for everyone and i just don't think that that is healthy um, or possible um, and certainly like the idea of self-care is is in and of itself feminist um, Audrey Lord talks about how important like taking care of herself in order to you know then be an activist is or rather was absolutely yeah that makes sense and then if I'm breaking down yeah I suppose it's a very very broad question because it is self-care right and how that is feminist and then it's also kind of physically speaking like how how does that manifest and you know talking about intersectionality and stuff like that how are women expected to look and act and those specifics you know can get really messy um but how do we kind of step outside of that and what do those tropes look like that you've noticed as well as how to step outside of them i don't know that it's possible to step outside of them Mm -hmm. um i think you know we certainly have an idealized version of what a woman should look like a certain sort of thinner body type with some curves who um you know you should wear makeup you should probably like look like you've brushed your hair and um like cared about you know the clothes that you're putting on um and then that is so deeply ingrained in us um that it, it is hard to step outside of and it's also hard because and this has come up in our class too like it's kind of fun right? To wear makeup and to get dressed up and, and all of that stuff. And so 
there's this sense, I think, um, of that, that feminists don't think that you should care about how you look. Um, and I would frame it rather that you, the, the ways in which you sort of adorn yourself um, and think about your body should be for you and not for other people. For sure. That's for sure true. Yeah. But that, I mean, it's really hard. Like there's, there's certainly, you know, there's like a, the body positivity movement that is trying to be more accepting of all bodies. Um, but that is a, a small voice in a, in a loud room. Very large I think when it comes to, I last year did a research-based thesis off of, um, it's kind of talking about the wellness industry, how it's become this like industry um, and how it's kind of taken self-care out of context and turned it into, you know, consumerism. How do we, you know, make money off of people entirely hating themselves, particularly women? Um, and I think that my goal with this podcast in particular is to kind of look at wellness and reframe it as, okay, it actually is supposed to be self-care, but that doesn't mean that you have to hate yourself in order to care for yourself. And the reason I ask you so much about feminism is just because I think that looking at wellness culture through this lens, you know, you ha it requires looking at wellness through a feminist lens and, you know, looking at it through, okay, hey, we don't have to necessarily hate ourselves and we also don't have to completely neglect ourselves to prove some kind of point. There is an in-between where you can take care of yourself and not necessarily be, you know, falling prey to this endless cycle that we're in. And it, it's hard to find that in between for sure. But I know that there is, I'm trying to help uh, people like kind of find how to individualize things. So I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term, like we should all be feminists. Um, but do you agree with this term? Yes or no. And in the context of wellness, how do you think it would apply? I mean, I, I guess I, do agree with the term, presuming that we're thinking about feminism in the sort of broadest intersectional inclusive sense. Um, I think there's a, there can be a danger of when, when you sort of foreground feminism, that it feels like you're saying gender is more important than other aspects of your identity, but actually like we are really interested in how they work together. Um, and so, yes, I think, I think everyone should be feminists, um, everyone who's interested in, you know, making the world a more equal and, and just place. Um, in terms of wellness, I think, you know, patriarchy and uh, capitalism are like pretty good friends. Um, so uh, I, you know, I love that you pointed out that wellness has become this like consumerist undertaking, right? Where um, the only ways to care for yourself are through like these very specific, like spendy things or through things that are meant to make you look better or, um, you know, correct something. Uh, and I spent a lot of time talking to my therapist about this, um, about, about how to sort of have moments of self-care that aren't about like, Oh, I'm going to go, you know, get a manicure or a massage or something. And it's, it's like, no, I'm going to sit in my backyard and like notice all the fun birds that are there. Um, and I, I hadn't really thought of it that much as like a, like a feminist approach, but I guess like I, it's so embedded in me, like that belief structure that probably is shaping what I'm doing. Um, but I do think that, that taking care of yourself 
for yourself um, in ways that you truly find like restorative um, is really important and it's going to be different for everyone. Um, I like to like go off on my own for a week and hike, um, but most of my friends don't want to do that. <laughs> um, and I think that's great, right? Like someone else might, you know, craft or, um, you know, our, our provost at Trinity like builds things um, with wood. She's a woodworker um, in her spare time. So, wow. yeah, I, it, I think it can, it does, it does look different with everybody. And for some reason, I agree that wellness has kind of become this, and I'm thinking of wellness specifically for women has become this like, oh, wellness care day. Therefore, I'm going to go get a, mas- or get a manicure and get my hair done. And, and this is all, you know, sometimes related to uh, yeah, either spending, looking better, appealing sometimes to other people rather than wellness for the real woman. And I think a lot of that has to do with kind of looking at that through um, a feminist lens and seeing like, yeah. okay, how, how do we change this to be about us and not through the giving she and not through how we present ourselves? Um, I think that that's really important. So, Well, and the idea that we need to have like wellness days, like that's, that's probably true. Um, but I also think thinking about how do we build wellness into our daily lives um, and we're obviously not going to go get a manicure every day, um, but you can sort of say, I'm going to, you know, sit and drink a cup of tea or I'm going to, you know, um, absolutely do something to sort of care for yourself every day. Yeah. It involves kind of also debunking like this concept that, yeah, like the wellness days thing, um, the, the busyness, you know, the capitalism concept where we're required to be constantly productive and that it looks a certain way. And all of this has to change in order for us to kind of change our lifestyles. Like how do we live a life of taking care of ourselves rather than, oh, I need to have a self-care day. How do I incorporate that into my everyday and make that, you know, how do I change the conversation so that that's something that's more socially acceptable and is not considered, you know, lazy or neglectful of yourself for some odd reason. Um, But those are, those are pretty much the highlights that I want to cover on this podcast. I wanted to see your, thoughts in terms of how that you know specific to women and specific to feminism also just to give like general background context because I think feminism has a really bad rap like a lot of people like to say oh so you're a feminist you hate men and you like basically dye your hair pink and do nothing else and I I just really want to work on um, kind of broadening the perspective when it comes to that so thank you for your help is there anything else you'd, you'd like to add and I'm so grateful that you did this Oh, of course. So this was fun. Um, I don't think so. Other than like, I, I agree that it's really important that we talk about feminism openly and like be clear about what we mean by it. Cause it's not about hating men. In fact, it's about loving people <laughs> in general. Um, but there is a lot of baggage there, right? There's a lot of baggage with the term both, um, politically and also when it comes to groups that have been excluded from feminist goals in the past. And so I I do think there's a lot of baggage, but I I think we can sort of move, move forward in in a new way with a new definition. I agree. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you for joining us. And um, we will see everybody next week on the podcast. Thanks y'all. Yep. Thanks.